0: Hey, Bev. Hey, Sam. And Tara. Hello. Oh, hey. Hey. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things.
1: Thank you. Yes, we're very excited to have Tara from Beaver Vineyards today. Um, We've become new fast friends in the past 15 minutes, but previously before that from Instagram as well. Um, But we're very excited to have her on today to learn all about her vineyard adventures. But before we get started with that, what are you drinking over there, Bev?
0: I'm drinking a Dark Horse Sauvignon Blanc, which I was really excited to find. And in fact, I was just telling Sam I opened it before we got on because I was like, wait, I'm not a big wine drinker. I don't even know if I like Sauvignon Blanc. Um, But it turns out I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very nice white wine. I'm impressed. I'm usually a beer person, but... Um, I poured myself a glass that was like half the bottle, so that was probably bigger than a classic (laughs) glass of wine. I don't know how to wine. Somebody help me. A little big. A little big. (laughs) Just sip slowly. You'll be fine. Um. (laughs) What are you drinking over there, Sam? Um, So
1: I have the original Dark Horse Cabernet Sauvignon, and I just looked at the side, and it says it's 13.5% alcohol by volume, so luckily I poured an appropriate size glass. (laughs) otherwise i might not remember recording this but this is also quite lovely and it's very like jammy and like kind of dark like chocolate covered cherry flavor. so Mm. i'm kind of digging it on a very very windy
0: afternoon i'm gonna have to find a bottle of that because that sounds amazing and thank you for our drink sponsor this episode christine sayani
1: yes which is at homemade confetti over on instagram one of my favorite most colorful fun accounts ever so make sure you check that out and thank you so much for supplying our beverages cheers Laney. cheers but what are you drinking over there tara
2: i am drinking apple spice tea Ooh. <laughs> it is delicious uh, I am not a big drinker, so I'm not going to be drinking any wine. And it's also very early for me, and one glass normally knocks me out. So,
1: <laughs> hey, at least you know when you do decide to drink, you it doesn't take much. So
2: <laughs> that's true. A bottle can last me quite a
1: while. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, mm-hmm. so is there a reason why you have a vineyard and yet you're not a huge drinker. Not that there's anything wrong with that, of course. It is just kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, so I kind of just stopped drinking. Gosh, so now it's probably been like six years ago. I just was never really a huge fan of drinking in the first place, and when I did drink, I drank too much. So it was like, why do I drink anyways? (laughs) So I just kind of stopped drinking just for no reason, and then... Once I decided I was going to plant a vineyard, it was like, hmm, maybe I should start drinking wine so I know what I'm doing a little bit. So I do drink a little wine now and then, but that's about it. Okay. That makes well, total nothing sense, Well, there's wrong though. with that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Honestly, like... I'm on a podcast called We Drink and We Farm Things, and I pretty much only drink with Bev.
0: So we'll just go ahead and say, like, Bev's a bad influence. Uh- <laughs> I was going to say, normally I just drink on the podcast, but I've had two nights in a row where I had stuff going on. So I did drink two nights in a row, and I guess this makes number three. So you're right. I'm the bad influence. I'll take credit for that. I'm
2: getting crazy this week. <laughs> she
1: is. So how did you happen to come upon your – vineyard and ownership of a vineyard it it doesn't sound like this is something that was necessarily in your family from from what I've seen on your social media
2: yeah so I come from a family of grain farmers so I grew up with my dad's main crop being corn uh, for feed and I really didn't even see myself being a farmer for the longest time. And what happened is I came home for about two weeks when I was on vacation from my other job, and I helped my dad harvest corn. And while we were harvesting corn, I was like, I love this so much. Like, I really want to come back to the farm. So a couple months later, I quit my job. I moved home. And when I moved home, my dad was like, You can't grow corn. You need to find something else. Uh, And then it went through a whole, about a year process of landing on growing wine grapes.
0: That's really interesting. So why didn't he want you to grow corn?
2: In California, corn is just not the best crop to grow. Um, It's really tough out here, at least in the area I live in our fields are really small. So like in the Midwest, there's fields that are hundreds of acres, um, maybe even bigger, I don't know. But here, like our average field size is 50 acres. Mm. So you have to have a lot of ground and a lot of ditches to grow corn to get by. And my dad just wanted me to plant something that I could hopefully be more successful in and not need as much property. So that was kind of how that started.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah.
2: So
1: so what was your decision-making process when you were trying to choose something to grow?
2: So I moved home in January of 2015, and I right away signed up for this program called California Farm Academy. And it was like I want to say seven to nine months long and it was like a one acre farm and we learned all these different crops. So we met twice a week and every other Saturday and on like on Tuesdays we were out in the field working. On Thursdays we were in like a classroom setting and then every other Saturday we actually went to a farm and had like a field trip almost. And this opened up my eyes to so many different kind of crops. And I was kind of leaning towards almonds, walnuts, or wine grapes. And the reason was those were, I really saw those going up in a lot of places. And it was something I didn't have to plant every year. And I I think that for me was just coming from a grain farmer. Like, we have to plant every year. And I just was like, it'd be nice to have something I could just plant and not have to worry about it for 30 years, you know? Oh yeah. And so I was down to those three crops and I just started looking what was in my area, who could I go to as a mentor. Uh, I live an hour from Napa. I live 30 minutes from Lodi, which is another really popular wine region. And I live 30 minutes from Clarksburg, which is another really popular wine region. So it was just like, okay, I can find mentors in the wine grape industry where there's not really almonds around here and the walnut farmers are also really new in this area. So I wasn't sure that I wanted to do something and and kind of be right at the beginning of it when I still had so much to learn.
0: Oh, yeah, that totally makes sense, because, like, making that leap into something that you're unsure of can be, like, really scary, because you're kind of betting the farm, like, on whatever you go into, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. So I I felt with grapes, it's like, I've got a lot of people I can turn to for help. You know, I have a lot of people people cheering me on, which is nice.
0: Well, and grapes just sound so fun. (laughs) Yeah,
2: they're fun. They're a lot
0: of work. Yeah,
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're fun. But that's all farming. That's all farming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah.
0: I was gonna say I haven't done anything here that I would say was not a lot of work, and everything I do here is just as a hobby. So.
2: <laughs> hey, hey, hobbies are a lot of work. I mean, I've I've got my little hobby things going too, and it's like a second job now. And then sometimes <laughs> it's like, why did I do this?
1: <laughs> so since you obviously took a lot of time to think through how or what you wanted to farm and you mentioned a few times finding mentors because you're surrounded by wine country um how did you go through the process of finding a mentor that kind of fit with you and what you're doing
2: yeah so it's a you really have to learn to not be shy and for outgoing for how outgoing I feel like I am I still definitely get nervous and shy about calling people I don't know. Um, but that this has like really challenged me to do that. So one of the farmers my dad works with, um, when we grow alfalfa, he cuts, he cuts and sells our alfalfa for us. He started planting vineyards. So he was kind of like my easy person to go to. You know, I, I kind of knew who he was, started talking to him. And I would say he's become my main mentor now. I know if I have any questions, I can call him. And the best thing about him is he's he's never like, this is the only way to go. He's kind of like, okay, here's option one. Here's option two. These are the pros and cons. You have to choose what's right for you. That's what I really like about him. Um, and he's also like, okay, here's another farmer you should call. And that's when I'd kind of get nervous to be like, okay, I don't know this person. Do they really have time to talk to me? But I have to say, for the most part, every single person I've called has been like, oh, we've heard about you. Like, we want to help you. You know, this is our advice. So I've had a really great experience with uh, talking to farmers who I see as very successful.
0: Which is really awesome. I always see farming as more of like a, so the beer industry calls it co-opetition rather than competition (laughs) because like a rising tide raises all ships. So when you are doing something to like better your industry and to like shape and mold and help the people that are coming into it, like all you're doing is making everything better because you get to like add in their ideas and add in like what struggles they have to like look at. And so that's really neat. And I'm really happy to hear that your mentor is like, this is one way you can do it. Here's another way. Like, but what I tell you might not work for you. So, cause it's so important. You run into people that are like, no, this is the only way you can do it. This is the only thing that's right. If you don't do it this way, then you're going to fail.
2: Yeah. And I know some people like that. So it's yeah. nice that my mentor's not. <laughs>
1: It really gels well with kind of like how we run this podcast, even like some of our mini-sodes, you know, Bev and I obviously do things a certain way on our own farms, but we like to give people other options or just remind them that we're not perfect and there are other ways that things can be done and, and that's okay. So that's really refreshing to hear, like there are other farmers out there that, you know, follow that same motto.
2: Oh yeah, I think it's so important too because... When someone tells you do it this way or no way, you don't really learn either. It's like, okay, this is what I was told to do. I did it. It's kind of like you're just moving without thinking about it. Where it's like, okay, when he gave me two or three options, I have to really possibly do some research. I have to really think about it. You know, and there are still things that I'm just like, I don't know which way to go. And sometimes I wish someone would just tell me. But in the end, it's like, OK, I've <laughs> got to figure it out, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so how did you find? Did you? Well, I guess I should back up a little bit. So when you decided that you wanted to grow wine grapes, did you have to look for a certain kind of piece of land to do that?
2: Yes. So once I knew I was going to do wine grapes, I, I did need to find a certain type of property. Um, and so I actually live on an island. I live in the Sacramento River Delta, which is a ton of little islands with the Sacramento River going through it. And the middle of the islands, the water is higher. So when our river gets high and it rains a lot, you can actually see it looks like the middle of the island is turned into a pond. And the the property that is really close to the river and the levee is actually the highest ground. So I knew that I needed to find higher ground, uh, that way the water wouldn't sit in the roots and rot the roots out. So I I did have a little bit of trouble with property because I, I had found a piece I was gonna farm on and I was gonna lease it from someone and unfortunately the patriarch of that family passed away during the process and his sons decided to sell the property. So we actually pretty much vetoed my lease and I had to start all over which was Oh, wow. That was like a big thing to learn right in the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, after that happened, my parents decided to let me lease ground from them which maybe in the end, that's better. And maybe in the end, that's worse. I don't know. Because <laughs> now my parents are my landlords. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think in the end, it's going to be good. So I've got 50 acres, and it's planted on my parents' property. Um, and, and right now, it's doing good. We did soil samples, and it's higher ground. I also have a root stock that is supposed to grow um, grow well in wetter ground because we have wetter ground than a lot of people, even in the high ground. So, But the way they grew last year, I, I feel very confident. They exploded last year, so they should be doing okay.
0: That's so good to
1: hear.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I see on your Instagram that you're doing a lot of pruning right now. So what have you... Like, is that one of the more, like, laborist kind of parts of owning a vineyard? Or would you say that your workload kind of fluctuates throughout the year? Or is it pretty consistent?
2: Um, I would say it fluctuates, um, which I feel like is... unless you have livestock, I feel like there are definitely on and off seasons with Mm -hmm. crops that are not livestock. People who have livestock, it's like on all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but wine grapes are very labor intensive. I try to do as much as I can, but there's really only so much one person can do. Uh, The main things I can do is if it has to do with a tractor. If I can drive a tractor through the rows and do it, I can do it by myself. But, like, planting had to be done by a crew. uh, Tying up the vines. As they grow, you don't really want them touching the ground. So having them tied up took a crew. Pruning will take a crew. Training them in the future will take a crew. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, so pruning was really big. Uh, I made the decision to two bud my whole vineyard, which pretty much, if you look at any pictures of my vineyard, you see that there are these white tubes that say wonderful on them. Those are Mm -hmm. grow tubes, which, if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's pretty much a mini greenhouse for every vine. So, two budding them we're pretty much cut all the vines back down into that grow tube. So they're about a foot tall out of the ground now. Oh, wow. um, and that was one of those things where it's like, well, you can go this way or you can go that way. But in the end that was the best decision because it's really going to give the plant time to build a good root system and a really strong trunk. Cause they were only planted last year. Okay. So I didn't want to try to push them into training right now I think that for the longevity of the vines this is going to be the right decision but yeah it was a it was a big job but those crews (laughs) they are hard workers man I just go out there and I'm just like wow they are hard workers for sure
1: Um, So what kind of grapes are you growing? I mean, me and Bev already know, obviously, we had the spoiler, but for for the (laughs) the people listening, can you explain what you're growing, maybe why, um, based on your location, Um, and then who you're growing them for?
2: Yes. So when I decided I wanted to plant a vineyard, the very first thing I needed to do was find a contract with the winery. Um, I would say most people that have wine grapes have contracts with the winery. Maybe there's a few with Napa that, you know, they're top of the line that people are begging to buy them so they don't have to have contracts from the beginning. Um, so I started out by reaching out to a few of the biggest wineries in our area, which is Constellation and Gallo. And if you look up those two wineries, there might be some wine you like that you didn't realize was actually owned by those companies um, because they're so huge. So I really got lucky when I met with the representative from Gallo. He was willing to take a chance on a new farmer and they signed me up. They gave me three options uh, for different grapes, which was really helpful because they know what's going to grow well in this area. And I was still really learning. So they gave me Albarino, Sauvignon Blanc, and I think Gerstraminer. Uh, I think that's how you say it. That Um, sounds right.
0: I've had that wine, and I know I like that one too. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So I had those three choices, and the reason I went with Sauvignon Blanc is because I feel like it was the most popular wine grape of those two, I mean of those three, And it was hardier. Uh, I felt like the other ones were a little bit more of a niche market. And I wasn't sure if that's how I should start. Um, So I grow Sauvignon Blanc. And my contract is with Gallo. But Gallo owns Dark Horse. So all my wine grapes will, in the future will go into Dark Horse. Sauvignon Blanc.
0: Hence why Bev and Sam are drinking Dark Horse this episode.
2: Yes, and I'm glad you like it. I, I really like it, which was nice because it was like, oh, I hope I grow something I actually want to drink.
0: <laughs> well, and you know what I really like about Dark Horse? So my husband just went to our regular grocery store. We live in the middle of nowhere. We have to drive 30 minutes to go to a real grocery store. So it's, it's a Kroger. And it, they had a bunch of Dark Horse wines there and they totally had the Sauvignon Blanc. So it was, like, it's easy to find. It was, like, $8 a bottle, and it's delicious. So it's, like, a nice reminder that you don't have to buy a 30 or $50 bottle of wine to enjoy it. Like, under 10 bucks really is, like, the way to go, like, as far as, like, types of wine. So, I mean, I think it was a great choice to go with them and our course. So...
2: Yeah, definitely. I also live thirty minutes from a grocery store, so it's been it. It is nice because I see it everywhere. I see it in all the regular stores, and I I think it is probably between eight and ten dollars out here. But yeah, it's affordable. It's it's really nice because those expensive bottles. I mean, some of them it's just they've built up the name, you know. But this is something that anyone can drink, and it's good.
0: Yeah, and it comes in a screw top, which means Bev can open it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's good.
0: (laughs) Sam and I had another conversation before this where I was like, yeah, I don't really know how to use a bottle opener properly. I'm really glad this is a screw top.
2: (laughs) Oh, you need one of those fancy ones.
0: Yeah.
1: I have an electric one. So I'm a big cheater, but I love that thing so much because I just have to press a button. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: All really over. nice. I've got this one that like clamps around the top and then you just push a handle down and up and it pulls it out.
0: Ooh. Oh, that's called a rabbit. And I have one of those too. But for some reason, I still have trouble operating
2: that. <laughs> oh. so. <laughs> so you educated me. I was like, I don't even know what that thing is called, but it's great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> the more
2: you know. Yeah. And then I have those fancy corks that suck all the air out. I'm like, look at me.
0: I do wine (laughs)
2: things.
0: (laughs) We're good at wine things. We're so fancy.
1: (laughs) I'm going to sound like I stalk you on Instagram, actually. I think it's just because we've talked to each other in Messenger that your stuff actually comes through in my feed, or that's my excuse. (laughs) Uh, But I saw that you post something about cover crop. And Bev knows what it is, but I don't. And instead of Googling it, I wanted you to explain to me what cover crop is and why it's important to your vineyard.
2: Yeah, so cover crops can really be planted anywhere. It's not just a vineyard thing. Um... And it's normally something you would plant in the off season that is going to add some type of nutrients to your soil. So instead of going and buying, you know, this at the chemical store and spreading it out, this is like a natural way of putting an amendment into the ground. Oh, um, okay. Does that kind of make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Y- yeah. So... Um, there used to be a lot of mustard out here. Like it, it's a, something that naturally grows out here. Napa. I don't know if they still have it, but they used to actually have a mustard festival. Oh, (laughs) and, um, I am not anti roundup. We have conventional corn and that's like a whole nother conversation. But unfortunately, because roundup has been used so much, uh, mustard is really disappearing because roundup kills it and grass like grasses that you don't want are growing in its place. Well, if you talk to some farmers around here, they want the mustard back because the grass is really hard to work up back into the ground and it's not doing anything for you where mustard really broke down and helped the soil. So, My hope is to plant mustard as a cover crop next year. Um, Mustard will put nitrogen into the soil. And then they also say that the seeds are hot and that can repel insects. Um, And then when you're ready to work it back into the ground, it breaks down really nicely. Some people also do legumes and other, there's, there's so many different crops you can grow and you can put a mix in there. And it'll just be the rows in between the vines.
0: Yeah, and that's so cool. Um, so cover crops is something that I know about because I've thought about ch- trying to use them in my garden beds. I haven't been a very successful gardener yet, but I've like <laughs> done all the research because I really like to read things. <laughs> um, but yeah, the cover crops putting the nitrogen back into the ground, like all of that, all of, all of those things are um, bits and pieces from permaculture which is something that I'm trying to practice here um, on my hobby farm. So yeah. I'm excited to hear that like larger farms and people who are growing, um, you know, like monocrops in large swaths of area are looking at things like using mustard to repel insects rather than spraying. Cause we know that we're having like an insect, uh, like insect populations are dwindling and now the insects will just go somewhere else rather than just dropping dead as soon as they end up on the land, which, is good for everybody I mean I know insects are kind of annoying but they (laughs) pollinate things so yeah but when you kill
2: insects you kill beneficial insects too you know yep exactly
0: Exactly. yeah
2: and uh there's this one little beneficial insect in wine grapes that is called uh a a lace wing they're so pretty there's these little green guys that have these wings that look like lace and it's like you don't want to kill them so
0: (laughs) Yep, exactly. (laughs) If you Google
2: images of vineyards with mustard, they're beautiful.
0: Oh, cool. So it adds like a visual effect as well. Oh,
2: yeah, because they're yellow. Do you guys have mustard out there?
0: I have not seen any mustard that I know of, but I'll have to look up a picture of it and keep an eye out on it because I actually... I have a pasture that used to have cows on it. It doesn't anymore, so it's totally empty. So every summer, it grows all of these insane things. Um, and we leave it all summer because the insects will just, like, I don't know, swarm there and do their thing. Um, and it's really beautiful because the lightning bugs light it up, like, all oh, June and July. We don't have yeah. those here. Oh. Uh. Well, you know what? I'm from California, so I knew that. I don't know why. <that>. Because I had never seen lightning bugs until I moved to Ohio also. Um, But then we just bush hog it once everything dies in the fall. And then every summer it comes back up and does its thing. So it gives it like gives them like a habitat to live in. Yes. There's nothing else there. So I'm like, why maintain it and try to pretend like I'm trying to take care of it? We'll just let it be wild. And then knock it down when it's time to.
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's like really the natural order of things because all those things grew, they had seeds, you knock it down, they'll grow again next year. I mean it's really nice.
1: Yeah, while you guys were talking about bugs, I Googled <laughs> Vineyards with mustard and you're right, it's gorgeous. It looks like like I know in Wizard of Oz it's poppies, but for some reason it like triggered in my brain Like the Wizard of Oz when I saw it. I knew you were going to say
0: that.
2: I was like, Yellow Brick Road. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) that's what it is. There we go.
0: (laughs) Well, now I have to Google these images also. We really should have called this podcast We Drink and We Google Things. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh, this is stunning. We'll put a link in the show notes to just like the Google image results of vineyards with mustard. And yeah. I mean, that's so cool. So, the mustard um, as a cover crop, not only does it add the nutrients back into the soil, but it also acts as a weed barrier so that you don't end up with weeds in between your rows, right? Yes. So, that's kind of what it looks like from these images. Okay. Yes.
2: And I have really failed at weed management this year. My, my first oh. year of farming, there's so much weeds. And, like, my dad, it kills him because oh. my dad is like an OCD farmer. And everything has to be really clean and perfect. And, my like, I have a vineyard in his backyard with weeds, and he's probably so embarrassed by me because of that. <laughs> I mean, well, my dad is, uh, like, so supportive of me. You know, I wouldn't be doing this without him. But I know those weeds, just he dies a little inside seeing them. <laughs> so I have to get it under control.
0: In your defense, like, I feel like weed management is one of those things that it really, like there's a learning curve behind it like if the people that i bought my house from saw what their flower beds look like and what everything (laughs) like i think they would die like on the outside same same here because like learning how to take care of the weeds on your property like it's different even if you moved from the same town to a piece of property nearby like The weeds all congregate differently in different areas. It is so
2: crazy. So I live like a mile from my parents. Barely. I mean, mean a couple miles. Same island. When we moved to this house, there's this flower called a four o'clock. At least that's what we call it. I have never seen it before in my life. And I've lived, you know, I lived here at my parents for so many years. It produces like a billion seeds. And I just dug up one of its roots the other day that was bigger than my head. And I was like, how do I get rid of this flower? It's so (laughs) terrible. (laughs) Because it's just, oh. And it's like, you know, there's different weeds one mile away. It's like I had never seen this thing. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. so crazy. So it's it's definitely learning. And I I hope next year I've got it more under control, you know, and I think a cover crop will definitely help.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think it should for sure. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I should send you guys a picture of that thing because I, I just was like, what <laughs> is this?
0: I'm looking at Google Images and I know exactly. Like, I don't know what this is. But, yeah, we have these here also. They're just annoying. They don't smell like anything good. No. And they <laughs> create those giant – so I think they're, like, giant tap roots. So it's, like, a big giant root, and it goes, like, crazy deep. So when you dig it out, you have to just, like, keep digging and pull, and it's one of those, like, break-your-back muscles. Yeah, seeds, and they turn into these, like,
2: massive bush thing. Oh, God, I would – there's seeds on here. Who? It, no one needs to buy seeds at 4 o'clock. She will be <laughs> making a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I feel like the mothership is under my house of four o'clock. <laughs> Like it just, There's no getting rid of it now. It's it surrounded my whole house. <laughs> oh my God. It's terrible. Oh, gosh.
1: So, other than digging up four o'clocks, um, <laughs> what kind of uh, other, maybe more enjoyable hobby things do you do? Because we see that you have chickens, obviously. Yes. So... Was like the vineyard a gateway to chickens or did you have chickens when you were helping your, your family farm?
2: So when I was little, we had like a pasture and my dad had like a thing for birds. So growing up, we had chickens, all different, different breeds of ducks. Uh, My dad raised geese I mean we had pheasants quail and he did it all from eggs with an incubator and oh, so that nice. was kind of I grew and it was just for fun for him he even built a pond at our at our old farm we had a one acre pond that my dad built so we could have all these different birds so I think it's always kind of been there it mm-hmm. just I moved away and I wasn't in farming really and then when I moved back it was just like okay so when can I start having chickens you know (laughs) yeah um because I just grew up with it and I always loved it and I I tried to have chickens for a little bit but my dogs got to them and I only I only had four chickens and I had one survivor and I was so heartbroken so I actually took her back to the lady I got her from And I was like, I have to rethink this whole thing. So I didn't have chickens for like a year and a half or two. Mm -hmm. And I kind of always knew. I was like, I want to get chickens, but I don't want to worry about my dogs attacking them.
0: Right. Unfortunately, like I have dogs that attack my chickens also. So I put in an electric, like an electric fence buried in the ground. Mm Mm-hmm. And the chickens just know not to go in there because the dogs will mess with them because they have ha- they have been pounced on by the dogs. <laughs> yes. And now they're smart enough to stay out of the dog's like perimeter.
2: <laughs> yep. So we have that exact same thing. So we have a cement slab behind our house that I guess once upon a time was a chicken coop. That's what I've been told. So my grandpa, who is no longer with us, he had a chicken coop he had, made out of a tough shed. He had a tough shed and turned it into a chicken coop. And he lives on, he, they lived on a different island. So my dad and my uncle actually got the chicken coop out of the pasture with four cliffs, put it on a fifth wheel trailer and brought it to my house, which was really awesome. Um, so we have that in our backyard on a cement slab now. And we have a yard around our house that's fenced in. And we put that underground fence around the whole fenced area because we have a puppy who jumped over the fence and killed a chicken. And it was just like, really? Really? You know? <laughs> well,
0: but we are uh persistent. <laughs> yeah, she's she's good
2: now though. That was right when we got her. And I would never trust her alone, but like when I'm out cleaning the coop, I take her with me. I want her to be around them. But we have two little dogs, miniature pincher mixes, and it's like, I know, if they ever got out or they got a hold of a chicken, my puppy, it's just pack mentality, I know she would go into it, you know? Um, So we have that electric fence. But the last two days, a chicken was in my yard. And it's like, you stupid chicken. Why? I'm doing everything to help you get out of my yard.
1: You know,
0: it's like, uh.
1: Yeah, they just do what they want. Like, that's the thing about chickens, man. You can do everything you can to keep them safe and, like, their environment as pristine as possible. But at the end of the day, they just give zero clucks and do what they want. I know. That's I was right. listening
2: to your podcast the other day about that uh, disease that's in Southern California right now. Mm, you, know. you said if you're going to get chickens, get used to death. And I was like, she is right. Like you can look at them and they're like dead. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> it's
0: like, okay. Which is so terrible that we're laughing at that, but that's how we deal with things that are yeah. sad and uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. We're just like, we have to laugh because otherwise we'd just be crying all the time. (laughs) Anyone
2: who has chickens gets it. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if you don't have chickens, you might be like, why are they laughing? But if you have chickens, you're like, yeah, that's true. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So the chicken thing I think is just like rooted from my childhood. I love having them and I exploded very quickly. I had, well, I mean, I'm still small to some people, but I had four, and then I had nine, and now I have 20, and then I got a rooster, but I think I'm maxed out for now. I, I, I'm not planning on getting any more. I'm waiting for all my 20 to start laying. I've got I've got about 12 that aren't laying, so, yeah. That's what we all say. I know. <laughs> well, now, like, when we got the rooster, I was like, now I can let it happen naturally. We'll just have chicks oh, yeah, one day. that's true. You know? I don't have time for an incubator, and I don't have time for a heat lamp. I just, I keep adding all these things to my list, and I just know I can't do it right now. So if if they have some babies naturally, I'll let it happen.
1: Yeah, and that's so fun to see that kind of circle of life thing happen naturally, too. Like, we had a chick, or we had one of our silkies hatch a chick um a couple months ago and it's just so damn cute and it's so much different like because you get to see the mama chicken teach the baby chicken how to be a chicken right <laughs> and it's so
2: fun oh <laughs> yeah I, I whenever people post pictures of like the mom sitting on all the babies mm-hmm. and like their little heads are just sticking out from the feathers I'm like oh oh they're so cute <laughs> <laughs>
1: So as we're kind of wrapping up here, you know, since you're still pretty early in your vineyard journey, but, um, we wanted to know if you've had a favorite part so far that you'd like to share
2: a favorite part. I don't know. I think my, I think the whole thing is my favorite part. I just, I'm so happy that I did it and, um, I don't know if you guys saw my post on on my Beaver Vineyards account about me telling my husband. I, I did a event with FarmHer. Oh, and, yeah, You
0: saw that, yeah. Yeah,
2: so I did an event with FarmHer, and one of the questions was why I came back to farming. And so when I came home from that event, I was talking to my husband about it, and I told him how I answered that question. And he looked at me, and he was like, you sound like you're falling in love. Like, that's how you're describing it. And I was like, that is how I'm describing it, (laughs) you know? So it's like, I just feel like the whole thing is my favorite. It's it's hard work, but I love it so much, and I can't believe I did it. You know, I can't believe after all that hard work, I actually planted a vineyard Mm
0: -hmm. with no
2: background in it, and... I have so many cheerleaders, you know, you, you hear a lot about negative things and it being hard. And, but like you said about the beer industry, I feel like everyone wants to see me do good. It's like, you know, everyone wants our region to do good. So why aren't they going to lift me up with it? You know? Um, so I don't know if I have one little thing. It's just the whole big picture is amazing.
1: I think that's, so cool and I think you have to be that way with the amount of work that it is otherwise it's not going to feel like it's
2: worth it oh definitely yeah because it is a lot of work that's for sure but you anyone can do it if I can do it anyone can do it
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe I need to like knock down my pasture and grow grapes in it for a while (laughs) I,
2: I just planted five in my yard so we'll see how it goes Mm-hmm. Nice.
0: I planted six last year. I'm looking at them through my window right now. I don't think they survived the, no. the <laughs> polar vortex that we had this year. Oh my
2: gosh!
0: But I mean, I don't know. My pear trees survived the polar vortex, so we'll see about the grapes. They're just table grapes because I I want to like for I, I do some home brewing. It's been years since we've done anything, but like you know, with the moving and the getting animals and the taking care of kids and everything else like we find ourselves short on time a lot like Mm -hmm. you said like you can't do everything that you want to do but I was like table grapes I'll throw those out there for now because the kids can just go and pick them and eat them as they ripen and I don't have to worry about doing anything with them but like at least doing a home like fermentation of wine would be fun someday Mm
2: -hmm. yeah yeah that's a lot of work table grapes is a good idea (laughs) I took some wine classes. I don't know if I'm cut out for it.
1: Yeah. All I've done is some Googling and I'm like, this sounds super intimidating, but we'll see if I'm up for it someday. Yeah. But if you do,
2: (laughs) if you do beer already, you might be, you know, you've got half that like down that you have to clean everything a million times. Right. Oh yeah.
0: Um, Iodining my kitchen the day that we like brewed it took like hours because we did we literally everything in the area that the stuff was going to be in got iodined like crazy I mean it was nice to have my kitchen that clean for one day
1: (laughs) 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 so we like to end these interviews with asking the interviewee if they have a farm story that they'd like to share that's funny or maybe a little weird or embarrassing or heartfelt. Um, You kind of already hit me in the feels with your I'm falling in love story, (laughs) but I'm wondering wondering if you had anything else
2: um, in your mind
1: that you'd like to share.
2: Okay, so this is a little off the farm, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of funny. So So we have a road right on the edge of our property that's a public road. And it has a really sharp turn. So, I mean, like, there's been some cars that have, like, lifted off off this turn because they don't realize it's coming. So, and and it's completely surrounded by ditches on both sides. So, every once in a while, like, a truck and trailer will not quite make the turn. He'll go slow enough. He just doesn't, (laughs) like, go wide enough. So the trailer drops into the ditch and everything that was in the trailer goes in the ditch as well. So last year, a truck that had canning tomatoes Mm. lost an entire load in the side of the ditch. Oh my God. God. So I was like, mom, this is the perfect time to teach me how to can. (laughs) <laughs> so we went over there and got buckets and buckets and buckets of canning tomatoes off the ground, washed them all, and my mom taught me how to make spaghetti sauce and diced tomatoes and all those other things and canned them and that's what everyone got for Christmas. That's amazing. Uh, that's so cool. <laughs> So that's my like, funny story.
1: It's like taking lemons, making lemonade, taking canning tomatoes, making sauce.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh. And it, I mean, it's a whole truck load, oh you God. know? It's like, we can't just leave them here.
0: Yeah. They would have just rotted and you might have wild tomatoes next year. Oh, oh, I'm sure.
2: I'm sure. I mean, and then like after we picked them up, I mean, there were cars and cars going and picking them up. They, ah! they, there's no way they could have all got picked up. There was so many.
0: Oh my goodness, that's hilarious.
2: I know, it's crazy.
0: Oh, I love it. So where can people find you, you know, like on the internets and stuff? So
2: the best place to find me is Instagram, at Beaver Vineyards. That's where I post most everything. Um, I'm on Facebook as well, but it's pretty much just my Instagram posts. And then I Mm -hmm. do have a blog that I'm trying to be better at. I'm still learning the whole blogging thing. And that is beavervineyards.com, but definitely Instagram. I'm on Instagram every day. I love talking to everyone that talks to me. It's a little deceiving because it's like starting to be more chickens than vineyard stuff, but I do post (laughs) vineyard things.
1: Yeah, mine's more chickens than wine, and I'm chickens and wine. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) I know people are like, isn't this a vineyard account? I'm like, just accept the chickens, accept it.
0: (laughs) They're the like, mascots. well, this is a me account. Yes, I'm exactly. <laughs> I'm
2: trying to be real here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll we'll link to your blog, your Facebook, and of course your Instagram in the show notes. That way, people can find them um, and click on them very easily.
2: Perfect. Thank you so much. This was so no. fun. Yeah. Thank you for coming on
1: and sharing all your knowledge and look forward to continuing my stalking of you on the internet
2: yes and I'll continue stalking you both as well (laughs) yeah and we're definitely two of the people
0: who are cheering you on
2: (laughs) oh thank you so much I love it I love the community I know that a lot of people think Instagram can be a bad thing but I feel like the female farming and homesteading community on Instagram has been so amazing I mean, even though I've been in farming for a couple years, I feel like just like the last six months, I've tried to really focus on farming and homesteading through Instagram. And it's a really great community. I I love it so much.
0: Oh, yeah, I totally agree. When I first started, I was actually only on Facebook for like the first six months. And then I don't know how I decided to get Instagram. Somebody that I'd like talked to in person was like, why aren't you on Instagram yet? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not that old. So I feel like I should be able to figure out how to use this like new social media thing that everybody's using and I got on and it just like... Exploded with like how much knowledge I was able to gain from everybody and like how everybody comments and is like, good job, it's a good thing that you're doing. And I'm like, oh, that makes me feel so good on the inside.
2: Yeah, I, I love it. Everyone's been so positive, you know. I I don't even, I don't use Facebook that much anymore. I don't know, am I getting old? Is it still like a very popular <laughs> thing? I don't know.
0: No, neither of us are using our Facebook pages and Drink and no. Farm's Facebook page is kind of sad. But we do have a really rockin' and group so if you're on there at all come join our group (laughs) oh yeah I will like
1: (laughs) that's the only reason I really get on there and you know the occasional goat video in my feed yeah it's fun to look at as well
2: like when I get on Facebook I feel like all it is is reposting of videos yes like people don't actually put like I'm going to the mall today like it used to be
1: (laughs) when i see my old time hop stuff from like 10, ten years ago i'm like nobody cares I, know.
0: <laughs> I mean i think i used to actually because you know what it, it used to say like you know beverly ross is and then it was blank it was yes like eating a sandwich i'm like <laughs> why did i post that
2: <laughs> it's so weird we've evolved we've evolved
1: yes, oh, yeah. yes. Back to just pictures and some words. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's
0: the perfect combination. Yeah, I I work
2: better that way. Me too. I don't like to say much.
0: Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Um, We're so glad that Tara decided to join us on here. We've had a lot of fun. Um, And like I said, everything for her will be in the show notes. So be sure and check those out. And yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Bye. Bye.